You're listening to the Hub City Church Podcast. To learn more about Hub City Church, including our gathering times, you can check out our website at albanyhubcity.com. Good morning. Welcome. I'm Jessie. Today is the second day in the three-part series looking at this passage in John. And last week we talked about the vine and the branches and who we are abiding in and what the word abide means. It means to dwell. And John 15 says that he's the vine, Jesus is the vine, and his father is the farmer who takes care of the vines. We looked at all these stories from the Old Testament and showing that from creation to now, the Bible tells us about this gardener who cares deeply for his garden, how he works hard to help it grow strong and flourish, how he dwells or abides with his people, and how Jesus was the promised savior who came to restore everything back to the way it was always intended to be. We saw that in John, it says that already we are clean because of the word that he has spoken to us. So if we keep his commandments and abide with him, then we produce fruit and flourish. If we choose not to keep his commandments, then we don't create uh, fruit and the good gardener prunes us. So this morning, I want to look a little bit deeper at this passage and specifically what it means individually for us to abide this way. Last week, we saw that abiding in is an option that God invites us into. So we can choose to abide in God and live on the vine, or we can go our own way. And either way, God has already done the work to clean us. I ask you to be curious about what this word abide means for you and to pay attention to what you're abiding in and ask yourself where you want to be abiding. Where are your fruits? Where are your dead places that need to be pruned? And I want to preemptively start this morning by just saying that you need to have grace for yourself. Um, There is not a single person in this room who has like achieved abiding, (laughs) nobody. We all have room to improve in this area. Uh, Some of us are like dangling our fruits all over the place for people to see. Some people are just tiny little buds full of promise. Some people are just like sitting back there waiting for the hope that their fruit will eventually appear. Um, All of that, anywhere you are there, it's okay. God doesn't actually care about this fruit as a visual representation of something you've accomplished. It's the process that he cares about. It's us abiding with him. So I invite you also to pay attention to your body this morning. If you start to feel anxious or guilty or inadequate, just stop and take a minute and notice that. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but I just want to be super clear from the outset. You are already clean. God already did that work. You, he put on flesh. He came into this world. He died. You are already clean. So this practice of abiding is to help you grow closer to the one who already died for you and cleaned you. So, I kind of feel like 
that's all I need to say, and maybe I can just be done there. <laughs> Uh, this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer uh, written by Pierre Ollier. I don't speak French, so uh, I'm sorry I'm for you, whoever your name is. I adore thee, Lord Jesus, dwelling in my heart. I beseech thee, abide in me, in all the tranquility of thy power, in all the perfection of thy ways in all the brightness of thy presence and in all the holiness of thy spirit, that I may know the breadth and length and depth and height of thy love. And do thou trample down in me all the power of evil and the might of thy Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. Amen. While I was up here last week, I got a comic from, is it Gade? Is that your name? Wow. <laughs> um, from, he, he called it an old school comic from a real newspaper um, from Mutz. Uh, I didn't read comics, but I actually really like this one. Mooch's to-do list, abide. And it's... It's funny, right? It's a comic, but also there is a lot of profoundness in there. That That is truly what we need to do, and it's also a really big to-do list. So there we go. Thank you for that. A couple years ago, I discovered the Enneagram, much to the delight of everyone around me. I've personally generally been really fond of personality tests. So like, which Hogwarts house are you? I'm Slytherin or Ravenclaw, depending on my mood. Um, which literary character are you most like? And Shirley, obviously. Uh, the Enneagram was especially helpful to me, though, because it helped me fully understand my way, myself in a way that I hadn't really been able to do before. I was able to enter situations and understand why I was responding to things in certain ways and why then the scope of that was that I could read about other people's numbers and personalities and understand why they were responding in different ways. And I could start making some educated guesses for what had set somebody off or why they were doing that. And that gave me the vocabulary and the grace to understand a different perspective. Through these personality tests, I've been able to discover and understand myself in ways that made me start to appreciate and value the way I was made. I grew up in a church environment that cautioned against things like personality tests because it was navel-gazing. And if you had time to think about yourself that much, then you were failing to think about God or your neighbor. And luckily, I grew up in a positive environment where my family encouraged me and loved me and also were fond of taking personality tests. So there's that. Why does this matter? Because knowing ourselves as unique, specifically created image bearers helps us to know God and helps us to see our place as one of the many branches on the main vine. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. In your book were written. Now I was taught at a young age to love my neighbor because they are image bearers and we are called to love them. It wasn't until embarrassingly recently that I was able to recognize myself as an image bearer. It wasn't until somebody created by God that He formed me and knit me together on purpose. That my set of strengths and weaknesses are actually intentionally designed aspects of myself that are made to bring him glory and to love on the people around me. My brain is made in interesting ways. One of my strengths is to be able to pull threads from all over the place and put them into what I hope is a coherent way. Um, I see big picture, but I don't always see what's right in front of me. And in case you think I've arrived at loving myself, that was really, really hard to say. I am not good at details at all. Uh, my nine-year-old legitimately crushed me, his words, at tic-tac-toe this week, because I was so focused on winning that I missed the trap that he had set for me. I will never play a game of strategy with you because I will lose every single time. But I can live fully into this deep knowledge that apart from God that I can do nothing because I am aware of my weaknesses. It teaches me true humility because I can't even win a game of tic-tac-toe. And so I can live knowing that my weakness is made perfect in him. And so I knowing myself know allows me to abide in Christ in ways that I can't if I'm unable to acknowledge where my weaknesses are and be able to surrender those weaknesses to the one who is complete and without weakness. My particular branch has a beginning and an end, and but the vine that it is a part of does not. The other amazing part of this is when I step back and recognize that I am only a branch, then I see all the other branches that I am hanging out on the vine with. Seeing where my branch ends and being okay with that to varying degrees of success has allowed me to step back and be okay with other people okay filling in the strengths where I am lacking success. and vice versa. Has allowed me to step back and be in okay Kurt Thompson's book, The Soul of Shame, which is an emotionally difficult book, but one I highly recommend. He says, we cannot expect to know God fully if we are not willing to know ourselves, for one depends on the other. We cannot expect to know God knowing where my strengths and my weaknesses begin requires confidence and true humility and vulnerability. Where my strengths and my weaknesses begin, we saw last week that Jesus calls himself the true vine, which means steady, faithful, and honest. Jesus is confident in who he is. He invites us to abide with him. Jesus is confident. He has made us all clean, regardless of whether we abide in him or not. But when I abide in his confidence, 
What do you think the result it is? is? All clean, regardless confidence. Of you abide in him or not. I can abide so confidently abide in, in the God of Psalm 18, who is? gave a wide place for my steps confidence. under me. I can abide confidently. We have this whole Bible, all these people's stories, telling us one important truth that God will never leave us we or forsake us, Bible. that any time we turn around to him, he will be there waiting for us with open arms. That God will never leave us or and when we abide in the strength of this, then we have a firm foundation and are better able for ourselves to be vulnerable. And when we abide in the strength I said last week, I recently read, just for fun, a couple of books on shame and the poisonous influence that shame has on our personal narratives and how that affects our interactions with others. And all these books on shame that I've read have one antidote to shame. Vulnerability in community. Thompson says, again, the vulnerability of nakedness is the antithesis of shame. Thompson the original says, purpose of us as people was one of vulnerability. Adam and Eve initially lived the in the garden, naked and dependent on God to teach them how to live. Adam it wasn't until Adam and Eve sinned that they realized their physical and emotional nakedness and vulnerability. It wasn't until so if we Adam are to live as a fully restored people who are abiding in the way God intended us for us to abide, we have to be able so to be this vulnerable. As a fully I'm not saying you should walk around naked all the time because we do still live in a broken world, but what would it look like for you to be so emotionally anchored in Christ that you could be this vulnerable? What would it look like for you to be so that you could have so much confidence in being fearfully and wonderfully made that you're able to say, "This is who I am." So much confidence. This is how God made me to be. And to live in the strength of that, but also in the weakness. This is how God made me to be. We are born into this world as the most vulnerable of creatures. Weak, naked, dependent, and reliant on the people in our lives to care for our emotional and our physical needs. Weak, naked, dependent, and most of us have scars in our hearts because somebody failed to help us with that. But we have a good, good father that meets us in this place of brokenness and hurt and doesn't fail in loving us, despite knowing every single scar, every evil deed that flits through our head, every black spot in our hearts. He never stops, he never gives up, and he's already cleaned us, even before we've had a chance to do all of these hurtful things. And he's already cleaned us. And we are not asked to do anything that Jesus himself didn't already do. He came down into this post-fall broken world and put on this vulnerable skin and walked among these broken people and allowed himself to be vulnerable. Let's look at this beautifully human moment Jesus had with his disciples as he is teaching them about abiding. Let's look at this Mark 6, 31 through 32 says, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Mark 6, 
for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. In this picture, Jesus is hungry and tired, and him and his disciples had just heard about the death of John the Baptist, and people were crowding around them from all sides, wanting to be healed and hear the message of salvation that Jesus was preaching. And instead of stretching himself physically and emotionally, and like riding the wave of this popularity and that they have, he tells them to go away and to find a desolate place to riding the wave of this popularity that they two very human vulnerable activities to eat and rest here jesus is showing two his disciples and therefore us that it's okay to have physical limits and to set emotional boundaries for ourselves and therefore so that we that can lead okay a life of abiding physical limits Jesus recognizes the toll it takes if you give all day so long and don't take the time to allow God, Jesus the one who gives us strength, to fill us back all day up. Long and don't take the time to allow this is an God, image of Jesus abiding. One who gives it's him being aware of his own physical and emotional limits and then creating an space to spend time abiding. with God it's so that he can go back into the world and love well. And then creating space to spend We know time Jesus with God is willing to do the so hard work and literally lays down his life for well. his friends. But this has to we go know hand Jesus in hand with abiding in the vine. And literally lays down his life for John 15, 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by John itself unless it abides says, in the vine, in neither can you unless you. you abide in me. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, bearing fruit can only happen vine, when we're abiding neither can because you we can't bear fruit on our own. If you are spread so thin that you're exhausted, even if all the things you're doing look amazing on the outside, then you are like the wild grape from Isaiah that we talked about last week. you're doing look amazing on the outside. What does this look like in your life? Are there any things that you're doing outside of the abiding vine? What does this look like in your life? Maybe the things that you're dragging yourself to and you're not really sure why you're doing them? Maybe the things that you're dragging Are you even to, aware of your emotional really or spiritual sure health right now? I can tell you from are experience you that it's really hard to create healthy boundaries health for yourself right if you don't know where those boundaries need to be. I can tell you from experience that it's really hard to create healthy boundaries for yourself. Last week, I talked about the father as the farmer and the confidence he has in himself and who he Last is. Last week, I talked about... This is a good place and the for us he has to abide, and it's safe, and it's a really good example of this how we can is a good place for us to abide. Vulnerability is really hard, and it's a really good example of how. But God is a really great person to practice this with because you are His creation. You already know He loves you enough to die for you. God is a really great person to practice this with. He created you. There's nothing that's surprising. You already know he loves you enough um, to die for you. Jesus says in this he John passage that we are already clean and we are already his friends. So um, there's zero Jesus chance Jesus says of in rejection. this John passage that we are already clean and we are already Jesus already his knows everything so about you, so there are no surprises. And again, you are already Jesus clean. Already knows everything <laughs> there's about no you, chance of rejection so there are no here. Surprises. He has cleaned your past. Again, and he has already, already cleaned your future. There's no chance of rejection here. Jesus 
is himself not broken. And he has already you can come to him with your own set of baggage Jesus and traumas and triggers, and there is no chance that you're going to inadvertently trigger him. You can come to him with your own set of baggage and traumas and triggers. He and is, is listening no to and accepting you wholeheartedly and not from a place of his own brokenness. He is listening to and accepting Plus, you, you can't see his face. And not so there's no chance that you're going to get a facial expression that you somehow can't read and that Plus, you're going to misinterpret and second guess yourself so later. There's no chance that you're going to get a facial expression that you somehow John can't 15, read. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater 15, love has no says, one this, this than is this, my commandment, that someone that lay down his life for his friends. I have loved you. Greater love has Jesus no himself knows what this. it's like to be vulnerable. He allowed the ultimate act of vulnerability. He allowed Jesus it. himself knows Matthew 26, like 53, when Jesus is arrested, he tells the soldiers to put away their weapons with this statement. Matthew Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But he allowed himself to be captured, manhandled, tormented, judged, broken, and killed. But he allowed himself Most to be of us captured, will never have to take face this type of vulnerability ever judged, in our life. Broken and killed. But what if we are Most called to lay down our life for our friends? If we are called to that, what does that look like for us? But what if we are called what if stepping in front of a bus to save somebody? If we are called to instead that, of that, that it means like allowing someone to walk in your house while what it's if stepping messy in front of a bus and laying down the somebody? image of perfection. Instead of that, it means allowing someone. What to if walk it means asking a question that you don't know the answer to? Instead of pretending like you did know the answer and then googling it. What later? if it means asking a question that you don't know the answer to? Instead what if it, it means like admitting you, you were wrong when someone confronts you with a hurt? What if, what if it means what laying down our life means laying down our pride and our false images to live a life of confidence? What if laying down our life means laying down our pride and our false images? At the end of Psalm 139, David cries out to the God, the ultimate cry of vulnerability. Search the end of Psalm 139, David cries out to the God, try me and know my thoughts. And see if there Search be any me, grievous oh God, way in me, and, know my heart. and lead me in the way Try everlasting. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be this any grievous way This cry is of one me. who is abiding lead in the me vine. In the way everlasting. Someone who knows they don't have all the answers, but is humbly this going to the one who does, one who is and asking for the their own heart to be revealed someone to them, knows they don't so have that all the answers, a fruitful life but is humbly going and everlasting to the one who life does, can be pursued. And asking for their own heart to be revealed to them. A really, so really a important part of this abiding and is everlasting surrender. life can be pursued. John 15, 4 through 5 really, says, really Abide in me and I in you. Surrender. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself John unless 15, it abides in the vine, says, neither can abide you in me unless you abide in me. As the branch I am the vine, bear fruit by you are the branches. Unless it abides Whoever in the abides vine, in me and I in him, unless he you abide it is that bears much fruit. I am the For vine, apart from me, you, are the you can do nothing. Whoever abides in me and I in him. These are two sentences back to back that, that essentially say the exact same me, thing. You can do and whenever we see this in scripture, these we are two know sentences something back to pay attention to. Essentially say the exact same in Bible times, they didn't and have exclamation marks, so they actually used repeating phrases as a point of emphasis. In Bible times, they didn't have exclamation so marks, so Jesus is so using this double emphasis here to make the point that after all these exhortations, 
So Still, Jesus is using apart from him and do here nothing. to make the point that after all these exhortations, you're the fruit here. Still, what does the fruit from do? Him, we can do it grows nothing. and it dies. You're the either way, here. it just hangs there while what the, the vine do? is busy gathering it all the grows, nutrients and the gardener and is busy doing all the watering way, and the pruning. It just and hangs the there while the vine is busy gathering all this the nutrients. This is similar to that good shepherd metaphor, but doing we actually get a little bit of extra credit in 20, Psalm 23 because this sheep is similar are to that good shepherd more intelligent metaphor, than but we actually get a little bit of extra credit in 20, but not Psalm 23 because sheep are The point here is that we are lowly dependent creatures. But not a lot. But we are lowly. The dependent point here is in the that we are lowly dependent creatures. One that protects us and cares we are lowly for us. dependent creatures in the care of a good care. What fruit are you trying to grow on your own power? One that protects us and cares for us. What do you need to surrender? What fruit are you trying to grow on your own power? When we do surrender, we get what to do, do it to knowing surrender? that we have a safety net. Because we are abiding in the knowledge, when we do surrender, we get to do it knowing that we have a safety net. Because we are abiding in the knowledge of the God always of our place keeps his promises. Our place here is John 15, 14 through 17 says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer John do I call you servants, for the servant says, does not know what his you are master my friends is doing, if you do but I have called you friends. No for all that I have heard from servants, my Father, I have made known to does you. Not know what his you did not doing, choose me, but I chose you friends. and appointed all you that I so that you should go and bear fruit, to you. and that your fruit you should did not choose me, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Since we do not live in a class system the same way, our appreciation of this is diminished a little bit. Since we do not imagine Chris Hemsworth walks in and he's like, hey, our appreciation of this is diminished a little bit. How would that change your life? But imagine Chris Hemsworth. Doors would probably be open for you. You're my new best friend. You'd get some cool Marvel swag. How would that change? You might get to go surfing. You'd get really great food. Doors would probably be open for you. You get. You might get a part in a movie that you don't deserve. You might get to go surfing. You'd get really great food. Comparing a friendship with Chris Hemsworth, like you might get a part in a movie that you don't deserve. Surface of what this would mean to ancient. Comparing a friendship with Chris Hemsworth, like this is a Cinderella story right here. Surface of what handsome prince is pulling her out of her spot in front of the fire. This is a Cinderella story right here. Putting aside her handsome prince is pulling her out of her calloused work hands and saying, dusting off all those cinders. Putting aside her filthy rags and I want you and taking her calloused work worn in this place of honor and importance. I love you for who you are. This is such a beautiful picture of being pulled from servitude and given a place of importance and luxury. This is such a beautiful picture of being pulled with that comes and given a place of importance and luxury. You abide here in this place, but so that you will love one another and responsibility. No part abide here in this place is easy. So that this is not a linear path we're on. Abiding is reading your Bible no and praying and then having questions and doubts and practicing silence. And then maybe in your silence, something comes up. Abiding is reading your Bible and to go back to the having questions and talk to people. And maybe they give you different perspectives. And maybe in your silence, there's something comes up. All of these things. And you have to go back to the passage and talk to people. And abiding is work. But it's like the weirdest work. There's research and all of these things. It's 
surrendering, not like we're not doing anything in and a abiding way. is work. We're surrendering our time, like our hearts, work our lives, ourselves. And how is it that surrendering, the act of like resting and letting anything go in a way is so we're much We're surrendering effort. our time, our hearts, our lives, ourselves. And how is it that the act of resting and letting go that we don't actually have so to do much work, effort. like dying on the cross or creating anything? <laughs> Isn't it good we news that we don't actually have to do the hard work, like? Dying on the cross or creating anything. <laughs> there are thousands of years of spiritual disciplines available to us anything. to learn, teach us how to grow in our abiding. There are thousands of years of spiritual disciplines available to us to any of the leaders here teach us how to grow in our abiding. I'm going to also highlight the second Monday briefly, at seven on your calendar of the leaders because we will spend roughly an hour a month practicing this in also community. put the second Monday at seven on your calendar three because specific abiding practices roughly an hour a month um, I'm going to highlight and I can't emphasize enough the word practice. three specific abiding practices today if you start any um, of these I'm going to highlight don't and start I can't emphasize enough big, the word start very practice. simply and start if not you start any of these don't uh, instantaneous big profound very results. simply and start don't not expect results. Uh, instantaneous profound results and building our relationship with God. Don't expect immediate It's about being results. intentional about surrendering this your time and attention. Practice like and building our relationship with God. Eventually, it's about being intentional about surrendering your time and attention. And like that slow growing, a good vine, place to start with any of these practices fruit will be is with David's prayer because of God. One thirty-nine. Search me, a good oh place God, to start with any of these practices is with David's prayer in Psalm Besides regularly setting aside time to pray Search and read me, your Bible, oh God, which I highly recommend, the discipline I started with is besides regularly Sabbath. setting aside time to pray and read your Bible, when God which put I the world recommend. into being, the discipline I started with is practicing the Sabbath. Ten Commandments, like of all the when God put made, the world into and being, and then created, remember the, the Ten Commandments, like of all the rules so He made, He chose ten, and one of them was Sabbath remember puts our the priorities in check and, and reveals to us in so an often uncomfortable way. Where our idols are, Sabbath and where puts our priorities in check time, and reveals and to us our in an often uncomfortable way. Where it reminds us that we are first and, and foremost putting our time the people who are created for our attention God and our devotion alone and in community. It reminds and us that, that we are first and foremost the people who are created to love God alone, starting and in a regular community. rhythm of Sabbath, and that He can loves us and we are small as an evening away and grow from there. Starting a regular rhythm of my Sabbath family started can legitimately doing, start a small uh, ice cream on evening a week and grow from there. And that was our, our I've beginning. I've said this before, but my family started by doing uh, ice cream on Another Sundays. abiding practice is a regular our, rhythm of silence. beginning Sabbath practice. As shown in the Mark passage that we talked about, another Jesus abiding practice is a regular rhythm of silence. Own to pray and spend time. As shown in the Mark passage that we talked about, and given the time Jesus period, himself he regularly went was off silent on his own to pray and spend time for music or books or anything else. And given the time period, we can assume that he was silent because often he didn't have silent. podcasts or music or books or anything else. How does it feel when you are, even if you're not intentionally silent, and you're How just often sitting are you in the car silent? alone or in a Grocery. How does it feel Fine. when you are, even if you're not intentionally silent and you're just sitting in the car just, alone or in a grocery line? I personally started my silence practice just by not putting anything in the car. 
um, while I was driving by myself. I personally started my and silence that, that practice helped me steadily just by not putting anything in the car my own head. Um, while I was driving and this by myself. Really can be scary and I, and that helped me steadily become you more comfortable with my own head. In your head. And this really if can be case, scary and uncomfortable. That is something you can surrender. You might be hiding the from the thoughts in your head. And the good gardener who you can If that's the case, give that is something you can surrender and abide in the knowledge and confidence in the good gardener if who you can You are really give afraid and of surrender all those head, fears to. You can start by grabbing a leader if or a friend and You are really afraid of what's happening in your head with somebody. You can start by grabbing a leader or a friend you can and start with one minute processing of silence all that stuff and with somebody really that is a good practice to it start can start with. with one minute of silence and a third abiding practice really that one is that's actually fairly a good to practice me to start with fasting a couple of months ago matt was preaching a third abiding on practice is one that's actually fairly new to me fasting. It was really convicting. A couple of months so ago, Matt was preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, on and he talked a little bit about fasting, and, and it was I'm really going to be convicting for me. So I started doing it myself and Absolutely doing some research it. on it. It's uncomfortable, and I'm going to be completely honest. To be popping up in all of I hate these. it. Absolutely hate it's it. It's hard. I can't. It's even uncomfortable. Begin which to describe the mind is a word that, that seems to be popping up in all of these. It's hard. I, I can't even begin to describe fasting, the mind games that my brain goes through while I'm fasting. Because I was running around. Where I'm more stuff. hungry on the day that I'm fasting than I would be if I, I just never skipped breakfast and lunch because I was running around doing stuff. The practice of fasting. I have never once regretted doing it at the end of the day. Experiences and it's taught me so much. The more practice about myself of fasting has been one so of the most spiritually convicting experiences, and it's taught me so much more about myself and about the God who is so much bigger my than I can comprehend. Is for the I've been blessed future. over and, and over God with the implications for for, of my so view for myself is for the immediate future. And God's view is John everyone, and he sees so much further than I am capable of. While I was reading through this John 15 while I was fasting one day, it occurred to me that these spiritual practices, including fasting, are ways that our own hearts operate. When we cry, search me and know me, and then take steps towards being searched and known, then what God does is pull out those places of dead wood in our own hearts and throws them into the fire. But because of After time, of we emerge more fruitful and overall healthier, Here's something not because of our own work, but because of the work in whom we're abiding. That even when my heart Here's something absolutely beautiful and amazing that I've discovered through all these practices. That even when my heart isn't all the way into what I'm doing, or I'm fighting the entire process, I am still blessed through it just by showing up. Sabbath, silence, and fasting are all things that are physically and emotionally healthy for us, scientifically speaking. You can do each and every one of these things apart from God, and you will be better for it. A lot of cultures practice How good is a God that blesses us in this way? Because it's good Do some research on the science of this. A lot of cultures practice mindfulness and rest and fasting because it's good for our bodies. But and God cares so like deeply for our bodies that he gives us these practices that benefit them. But when we surrender, like Jesus says in Matthew 22, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, then not just our bodies are changed. 
our bodies and our hearts and our souls. These things I have spoken to you. And the result of abiding is promised here in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Neurotheologian Jim Wilder, yes, neurotheologian is apparently a thing. He defines joy as the feeling you get when you walk into a room and someone's face lights up because they are so excited to see you. That is joy. And that's what Jesus has to the full and what he wants each of us to have. Joy is the result when we abide. I want to close this morning with a promise from Revelation 21. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord, God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable and false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the promise. Surrender your heart and your soul and your life to the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb, and this is your abiding place.